open, file on in, come on in, make yourselves at home. Say, you kids don't look too bad this morning. I thought, <laughs> Mondays you kind of usually come dragging in here like somebody had uh, beaten you pretty good over the weekend, but no, my goodness gracious, it looks like you have behaved yourselves and you are in good shape. Welcome, welcome, glad to see you on a Monday. This is Bob Rowe. Welcome to the Best Old Time Radio Podcast for Monday. And this is May the 10th, 2021. And on Mondays, we play an old time radio comedy. And we have a funny one. We really do have a funny comedy lined up for you today. So what I want you to do is now that you're in here, go ahead and stretch out over there on, uh, grab one of those easy chairs and get your feet up and just relax going to serve some refreshments in a few minutes. Uh, Chester has some hot coffee over there. What else you got coffee? Or, uh, Chester. Bolilos? What are those? Well, anyway, there's some kind of diamond-shaped looking, some kind of bread roll. Is that what it is? Okay. That's good. And it's toasted. All right. Well, Chester's got snacks there, so he'll be handing those out. So just make yourselves at home and relax. Let the cares of the day drift away. Because we're going to come right back at you with this week's old-time radio comedy. Visit the friendly family at 79 Wistful Vista. We are going to spend a little time with Fibber McGee and Molly. Do you have any rare books around? Old books, you know? you have any Horatio Alger books around? Do you even know who Horatio Alger is? You've probably heard the term. That's the way I was until I, I listened to this and did a little research. 
I always just thought a Horatio Alger story was about a rags-to-riches type of story, and I really didn't know much about the background. Well, we're going to learn a little bit about that tonight. But uh, McGee is uh, <clears throat> sucked into that that trap that many of us perhaps have uh, tried at some point to make a little extra money, and that's buying and selling old books. <laughs> it's a pretty good episode. By the way, watch for the tongue twister in this one. It's it's really a good one. It's so, the tongue twister in this one is so twisted that even McGee has a hard time with it. And he usually could just fly through them. He, he does pretty good. He does pretty, I don't think anybody could do better. All right, here we go. This is Fibber McGee and Molly. This was first broadcast on February 17th, 1948. And the name of this episode is Money for Rare Books. The Johnson's Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax Products for Home and Industry present Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Arthur Q. Bryan, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The script is by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie. Music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. Do you ever get a circular in the mail that said, and I probably misquote, we pay big money for old books? Well, it's that sort of thing that has sent our Mr. McGee of 79 Wistful Vista pursuing many a wild goose. Listen to him now as we join Fibber McGee and Molly. Hey, Molly. Did you see this circular that just come in the mail? It says there's a fortune in books. I don't believe it. Uncle Dennis ran one for several months, and he spent all his profits bailing himself out of jail. Oh, no. Oh, I don't mean handbooks. <laughs> this guy ain't a bookie. He's a collector. So was Uncle Dennis. He'd collect $100 and hand it right over to a bailiff. I told him a hundred times no, he shouldn't no, be told. No. <laughs> you don't understand, kiddo. Neither do I. Look. This circular says thousands of people who read this circular have books in their attics and basements which are eagerly sought by collectors. Oh, books. Yeah, books. I wonder if we got any book in the attic which would be eagerly sought by a collector. It would have to be kind of rare, I suppose. Well, we've got some up there by Mary Roberts Rhinestone and... Uh... <laughs> yes, and there's some by Earl Stanley Gander up there. Uh, gardener, Snooky. A gander is a buck duck. Besides, by rare books, I mean books that are scarce, old books that you can't buy anymore. Them are the ones that are eagerly sought by collectors. For instance, this circular says there's a great demand right now for Horatio Alger books. Oh, and... Horatio Alger. Yeah. <laughs> Heavenly days. Who'd want to read that stuff now? Yeah. Phil the Fiddler, Paul the Peddler, Bill the Butcher. Which reminds me, did you pay the butcher bill? <laughs> yeah, but listen. I got an idea. I found $5 in an old sugar bowl today. Well, good for you. Now, my idea is that you if I... You can have it if you'll forget this idea you have. Well, you don't even know what it is. No, but you never had one yet that cost us less than $15, so we'll save 10 <laughs> But this will make a lot of dough, kiddo. Listen, the circular says that Horatio Alger books are eagerly sought by collectors. You see where it says that right here? Eagerly sought by collectors. Yes, but... I know where I can lay my chubby little mitts on 50 of them today, in half an hour. What good is a project to us that lasts more than a half an hour? 
Now, get this, baby. I happened to drop into the book nook next to the Bonton this morning, and on the shelf that says, any book here for 25 cents, there were dozens of algebra books. Did he write that many? My gosh, he must have wrote a hundred of them. All with the same plot, too, practically. Really? There's always this poor but honest lad, disgustingly wholesome, who saves a banker's daughter from a runaway horse. He refuses to accept the gold watch as a reward, so the banker gives him a job as messenger boy at 50 cents a week, out of which Thrifty Joe saves 37 cents. <laughs> In 110 pages, he saves up enough money to marry the banker's daughter and gets the gold watch for a wedding present. The snide little twerp plays it smart all the way. <laughs> uh, sounds a little dull, doesn't yeah. it? Didn't he ever write one where the boy saves a horse's daughter from a runaway banker? Huh? <laughs> or a banker's horse from a runaway daughter? No. No, but in Tom the Bootblack... Uh-oh, now, now, not a word about this to anybody, Snooky. This is my private gold mine, and I don't want any claim jumpers. I'll be mum chum. Come in. Oh, hello there, Mr. Oldtimer. Oh, hi, Oldtimer. I'd ask you to sit down, but we're on our way downtown to the book nook. Gotta buy some books. Good for you, Johnny. Nothing like reading good books. I'll never forget what one of my old teachers said about reading. Uh, what did she say, Mr. Oldtimer? Well, sir, daughter, she just stood there with the sun streaming in the schoolhouse window, casting a kind of a soft glow over her head and says, You little whippersnapper, you will finish reading A Tale of Two Cities or you'll be in the sixth grade for the next ten years. <laughs> did you or were you? I was. Since then, I'd done a lot of reading, kids. Just last night, I was sitting in my room, reading to myself in the dark, and all at once... Wait, ho, ho, wait a minute now. How can you read in the dark? Why, that's simple, daughter. Just turn on the light. <laughs> but if you turned on the light, you weren't in the dark. Oh, yes, I was. The bulb was burned out, Johnny. <laughs> well, if you turned on the light and it was burned out, how could you still read? Had a flashlight. Oh. Well, that's different. Nope. The batteries was dead. <laughs> now, this is nonsensical, Mr. Oldtimer, sitting there reading in a dark room. What were you reading? A neon hosiery sign across the street, daughter. <laughs> I love neon. Ever stop to think what neon spells backwards? It spells no one. And no one loves neon like I do. Oh. Why, some of them colors... Now, if you'll excuse us, old-timer, we got to go down and buy some books. Aye, certainly, Johnny, and I'm proud of you for doing it. Though I don't care much for books myself. Started one last week and just had to quit it. Why? Too much printing in it. The pages was all full of words. <laughs> well, some books are like that, old-timer. You ought to try a book of cigarette papers. <laughs> well, this was the most mixed-up yarn I ever read, kids. Yeah. Started out with a character named Aardvark and a feller named Ab and just went no place from there. Well, who wrote the book? Oh, some fella named Webster. He'll never get any place, though. <laughs> He'll never get any place. His plots don't hold up. That was Noah Webster, old-timer. He quit writing books after that and started a dance band. He did? Haven't you heard of Noah's Ork? Oh, dear. <laughs> Noah's Ork. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good, Johnny. But that ain't the way I heard it. Yeah, I didn't think it would be. Mm. Nope, the way I heard it, one feller says to tell the feller, say, he says, what do they mean when they say a man is presidential timber? Well, says tell the feller, 
They mean he can look green and act grown. He ain't too sappy or shady. He don't mind getting the bird. He knows when to bow and leave. And he can bark when necessary. He spends a lot of time on the stump. Keeps his trunk packed and falls the right way when they give him the axe. Well, so long, kid. Billy Mills in the orchestra, and now is the hour. Nook, when we get in this book nook, we got to play it kind of cagey, see? We ain't the least bit interested in buying any old Horatio K. Alger books, see? Why, we are, too. That's huh? why we came down here, to buy up all the old Alger books he had. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah, sure, that is what we come down here for, but we don't want the guy to know it, see? He'll hike the price on us. We got to act like we're not interested. Well, all right, but it seems a little dishonest. Huh? I'll probably blush every time he looks at me. <laughs> you do that. You look pretty when you blush. That'll, that'll distract his attention off of me. Come on, let's go in. Heavenly days. Look at all the books. Mm-hmm. Who writes all those things? Mm-hmm. We certainly haven't had that many secretaries of state. <laughs> now, let's just pretend we're browsing, kiddo. Why pretend anything? Mm-hmm. The proprietor isn't paying any attention to us. Oh, no. You slip a ten-buck book under your coat and start to walk out. He don't know we're here like MacArthur don't know he's being mentioned as a candidate. <laughs> you try to take a book... Oh, McGee, look who just came in. Mr. Williams, the weatherman. Hello, Mr. Williams. Oh, hi, Foggy, old man. Hello, Mrs. McGee. Hello, McGee. If you'll pardon my saying so, it's lovely weather we're having, isn't it? Yes, it is, Mr. Williams. <laughs> you a book lover like us, Foggy? Yes, in a way, McGee. I'm also an author of sorts. Heavenly days, an author. Well, 
You mean you wrote a book, Mr. Williams? Yes, yes, I did. Hmm. It was about an expedition I made four years ago to the interior of Africa, studying equatorial weather. Very adventuresome trip, too. Hmm. Any trouble with natives, Fog? One of our members was boiled and eaten by cannibals. Oh. Ooh, yeah. Yes, we buried his sun helmet and put a simple little marker over it. Stuart Jones, that was. How terrible. What did you write on the marker? And just one word. Stew. <laughs> How about wild game, Foggy? Oh, we had some splendid ones, McGee. One night I was holding a full house, aces over king. No, no, and no, I... no. Oh, oh. You mean Alice. <laughs> well... One day in the dense jungle, I was taking humidity recordings when I was charged by an enraged bull elephant. Boy. I fled for my life, but tripped over a pygmy, fell, and fractured my hygrometer. Oh. Yes. Yes, I did. As I lay there helpless, I saw this huge bull loom over me, ready to stamp out my life. Well, I'd have grabbed his tusk and tried to throw the bull. <laughs> I'm sure you would. Oh, my goodness. Uh, what happened, Mr. Williams? What'd you do? Well, suddenly a strange look came into the elephant's eyes. Huh? Gently, he wrapped his trunk about me and carried me tenderly back to camp. Oh. He put me lightly down on the grass. And before he left, he stood over me a moment with tears in his eyes. And with the soft tip of his trunk, caressed a dewy button I happened to be wearing. <laughs> Darn good thing for you, Foggy, they didn't have wild donkeys in Africa. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I must be getting along. Good day, probably. So long, Foggy. I could have told that yarn a lot better. I'd have made it a laughing hyena instead of an elephant. Oh, 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 here comes the proprietor, Molly. Now, play it, Casey. All right. Uh, hi, bud. Mind if we just browse around a little? No, it's quite all right, mister. Look around all you like. You, uh, interested in fiction or nonfiction? Whichever Horatio Alger is, we're not interested in that. Oh. Am I being cagey enough, McGee? <laughs> she likes detective stories, bud, but she always shuts her eyes when she comes to the murder part, so she never does seem to find out... Oh, uh, excuse me, folks, there's my telephone. Now go ahead, Buster, we'll just browse around. Book nook. <laughs> yep, yep. No, ma'am. It ain't a cookbook and it ain't Crisco. It's the Count of Monte Cristo. <laughs> now, don't mention it, ma'am. Sure get some dumb questions from folks. I'll bet you do it that, bud. Hey, are all these books down on this table selling for two bits? Well, to tell the truth, they're not selling at all. But I'm asking two bits for them. Oh. Well, if you folks want anything, now you just call. We will. Yeah. Oh, look, dearie, here's a whole pile of old Horatio Alger books, but who'd want any of those old things? Not us, I'll bet. No, we wouldn't want any well, of those old Well, hello there, pal. Hi, Molly. Thought I recognized those voices. Oh, hi, Omaha. Hello, Mr. Wilcox. What are you reading? That's uh, a Western story. It's called Roaring Six Guns by Ramrod Riggs. You ever read it? No, I don't believe so, Junior. I got a new one last week, though, but it wasn't what I wanted. He bought a book called Longhorn Steers, <laughs> Mr. Wilcox, and it turned out to be a book on how to play the trombone. <laughs> Well, this Ramrod Riggs really knows the Old West. I just got to where Tex Vanguard, the hero, knocks a man down for insulting the new school teacher in front of the Last Chance Saloon. Yeah, they all start out like that. He'll marry her on page 248. 
I doubt it very much. This is a man teacher. Oh, no. <laughs> Town was too tough for decent women. I see. Shall I read you some of it? Well... No, thanks, Omaha. I don't hey, think... Hey, just it's... listen to this. This is real literature. Yeah? The motley crowd cowered before Black Pete's menacing guns as mm. he shot two faro dealers and leered at Klondike Kate, the gambler's daughter. Suddenly, a calm, gray-eyed figure sauntered up to the bar, and a hush fell over the room. I know, Martha Graham. <laughs> it was Tex Vanguard, U.S. Marshal from Dodge City, the terror of evildoers and bringer of law and order to the raw frontier. That's Randolph Scott. I'd know him anyplace. <laughs> Suddenly, Black Pete's gun barrel rose, and Tex Vanguard found himself staring into the small, black, deadly tunnel which had snuffed out the life of your kitchen linoleum can be preserved and beautified so easily with Johnson's self-polishing glow coat. Uh, what? Wait a minute. Is that in there? Huh? Oh, excuse me. I'm using a Johnson's glow coat circular for a bookmark, and I must have jumped over to that. Oh. <laughs> anyway, anyway, the book says there was a blur of action as Vanguard went for his gun. Yeah. Four shots roared, and the lifeless figure of Black Pete slumped to the floor coverings of linoleum, which are protected by Johnson's glow coat, are so much easier to keep clean because spilled things are easily wiped up with a damp cloth. Mr. Wilcox, and... the story. Oh, yes, yes. Well, just at that moment, Tex Vanguard felt a gun muzzle prodding him in the back. And with no rubbing and no buffing, Loco dries to a handsome mirror like polish in 20 minutes or less. Hey, uh, hey, Waxy. Yes, pal. Just read quietly to yourself for a while, will you? Sure. We, uh, we may want to read that book ourselves sometime. Yeah. And we want it to be a surprise when Tex Vanguard traps the rustlers in their hideaway and cleans them out with a damp cloth after shooting them full of glow coat. <laughs> Why, of course. Here, you take the book. But you haven't finished it, Wax. Oh, I don't want to. I'd rather read the Johnson's Glow Coat Circular. To me, it's a lot more exciting. Oh. See you later, folks. <laughs> hey, Molly, I got an idea. Yes? Look, you go to the other end of the store and start talking to the owner, see? Distract his attention so I can look over these algebra books. Too and late, dearie. Do... Here he comes. Huh? Oh, hey, Bob. These old algebra books are pretty junky looking. How much are they? Nickel apiece? Nope. Ten cents, mister. Oh. Frankly, they ain't worth it, but I can't handle them for any less. Hey, Molly, how about some of these old algebra books for a dime apiece? No, eh? we wouldn't want them. I should say not. Well, who would? Not me. But I'll take them just to give you more room on the shelves, bud. Well, now, that's mighty neighborly of you, mister. Let me see. There's about uh, 108 of them up there. You can take the whole lot for $10. $8. $9. $9.50. $10? 10 11 And that's my last offer. <laughs> Okay, $11. But you drive a hard bargain, mister. Well, I will get some court bundling up. The King's Men and Two Things to Worry About. Worry, 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 worry. I've got me double trouble. Worry, 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 worry. My cares all come in there. I got two things to worry about. Either you're mine or you're not. And if you're mine, I haven't got to worry. But on the other hand, if you're not, I got two things to worry about. Either you change or you don't. Now if you change, I haven't got to worry. But on the other hand, if you don't, then pity me, watch me sink Till I'm hanging on the brink But before my worries all are over I got two things to worry about Either I live or I don't And if I don't, I haven't got to worry But on the other hand, if I do There's two things to worry about Me and you Just two little things to worry about 
Either you're mine or you're not Now if you're mine, I haven't got to worry But on the other hand, if you're not Then there's two little things to worry about Neither you change or you don't If you change, I haven't got to worry But on the other hand, if you don't Then pity me, watch me sink Till I teeter on the very brink And then before my worries all are over There's two little things to worry about Either I live or I don't Now if I don't, I haven't got to worry But on the other hand, if I do I've still got two things to worry about One's me, the other is you Boy. Well, now that we're home with these books, what have you got? A sore arm from lugging these books. You find out what I got, though, when that book collector gets here. I phoned him from the drugstore and told him I had a collection of algebra books that was a collector's dream. I think you got your money's worth all right. The title's alone, you see. Oh, now stand back, kiddo. Here comes opportunity. Uh, come in. Oh, it's Dr. Gamble, McGee. Come in, doctor. Hello, Molly. And good day to you, drumhead. <laughs> Hi, Bill Pitcher. I thought you were somebody important, but come on in anyway. If I was somebody important, why would I be calling on you, Pop-Up? We thought you were a book collector, Doctor. He was expecting one. And why not? He's had every other kind of collector on his trail. Well, he's... Hey, where'd you get the pile of penny dreadfuls? Dreadful? I bought them, Fatso, at the book nook, next to the Bonton. There's a guy coming over here Let to buy Let me see these. those. Horatio Alger. You betcha. Great Scott, I haven't seen books like these since my kid days. You never had any kid days, and you know it. You were born at the age of 42 with a gold probe in your mouth, and you've been... Aren't these titles wonderful, Molly? Look at this. Do or Die, Paul Pearson's Pluck, Boot Black to Banker. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a, a great one. title. <laughs> <laughs> All a boy had to do to get rich in those days was invest in a box of shoe polish and a brush and wait. What's so different about that? Doc Gamble started out with a dollar watch and a calomel tablet, and look at him now. Oh, McGee. That's not true, and he knows it. I had a thermometer, too, when I started out. <laughs> I'll say you had a thermometer. The only thermometer I ever saw that had three degrees of fever painted right on it. <laughs> you got rich with that thermometer. Now, McGee, stop it. Dr. Gamble isn't rich. Certainly not. Just handsome and talented. Oh. Say, look at this one, Molly. Ned the Newsboy. There's the book that changed my whole career. Changed your career? What happened? You cut your thumb turning the pages and decide to take up medicine? No, I was working as a fire watcher for the Forest Service, and while I was reading this book, 300 acres of timber burned up. <laughs> well, McGee expects these books to change his career, too, Doctor. We're going to be rich any minute now. Oh, I hope not. I like McGee just as he is. Do you really, Doc? Yes, I do. <laughs> Yes, I do, McGee. Dumb, floundering, inconsistent, rude, and uncouth. I'm as couth as you are. <laughs> when I think what you'd be like if you had money, I shudder. And when I shudder, walls crack for miles around. <laughs> oh, now, you wouldn't mind if we got wealthy, Doctor. 
We'd still come to you with our troubles? Yeah, and speaking of troubles, I never will forget the time I was working in that clothing store back in Peoria. I had more... You green... never told me you worked in a clothing store, McGee. I never told you about you that. You never was... did, no. <laughs> well, sir, I was a clerk in this clothing store, see, specializing in sweaters and sport coats. I sold a guy a cashmere sweater and a check coat one day, and he gave me a check for the check coat, but he paid me cash for the cashmere. <laughs> well, sir, when I give the cash to the bank cashier and chuck this chap's check on the counter for cashing, the cashier checked the cash in his check cashing account and double-checked the check against the check stubs and found the check checker had failed to check the ex-checker and there wasn't enough cash to cash the check I got for the check coat, so the chump chucked the check back to me and checked out the door. <laughs> This must be the guy. Remember now, we don't want part of these books, Molly. Make him bid him up, see? All right, come in. Uh, good day. I'm looking for a Mr. Fibber McGee, incredibly enough. <laughs> come right in, bud. I'm Fibber McGee. Uh, thank you. And this is my wife, Mrs. McGee. How do you do, I'm sure. And uh, this is Dr. Gamble, bud, in case you ever want your appendix taken out and a scar left on your tummy that looks like you've been hit by a road scraper. <laughs> How do you do, sir? I've heard a lot about you, Doctor. I'm K. Stanley Flyleaf, the book collector. <laughs> oh, yes, I've heard of you, too. One of the country's leading bibliophiles. Let him show you his bibs and files later on. <laughs> we got business here. Uh, you are the gentleman who called me and said he had a selection of algels? Oh, yes, 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 he's the one, all right, sir. Uh, there they are, right there on the table. Oh, uh, yes. Now, if you don't mind while I... Oh, sure, help yourself. Oh, These are not first editions. What? In fact, none of them is. (laughs) What's that got to do with it? They're Horatio Alger books, aren't they? Oh, certainly. But I can pick algers like this up in any bookstore for three cents apiece. These are worthless. Oh. Oh, but he thought... I rather doubt it, madam. And I'm sorry we wasted each other's time. Good day, sir. Good day, Doctor. Good day. Been nice knowing you. Hey, watch out for that doorstop, bud. It's right in the door. You fall out. Doorstop. Heavenly days. I'm so sorry, Mr. Flyleaf. Are you hurt? No, he isn't hurt, are you, Flyleaf? Are you hurt, Flyleaf? What's he staring at? That old book we've been using as a doorstop. What's wrong, bud? I say, why didn't you show me this? Why? This is a first edition of Uncle Tom's Cabin. Harriet Beecher Stowe. Very rare. Will you sell me this? Sell that? Of course not, bud. We need that book. We lean it against the door to hold it open whenever we don't want to... Oh, but it's worth $200, McGee. What? $200? Oh, just make out the check to F. McGee, bud. For that kind of dough, I'll lean against the door myself. Your books are wonderful, McGee. Hmm? <laughs> Here's one about a boy who rescued a millionaire's baby from under the wheels of a horse car. Oh, that stuff's dated, Molly. You think so? Why, certainly. That rescue stuff's no good anymore. My gosh, I yanked a guy out from under the wheels of a ten-ton truck one time, and what did I get? A poke in the nose. A poke in the nose? Yeah. Heavenly days. Why? Well, he was trying to change a tire, and I was the third guy that rescued him. Oh. <laughs> good night. Good night, all. <laughs> Thank you.
the makers of Johnson's Wax Products, Racine, Wisconsin, bring you Fibber, McGee, and Molly every Tuesday night. Be with us again next week, won't you? Good night. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. That was Fibber, McGee, and Molly from uh, January, what was it? No, February, February 17th, uh, 1948. The name of that one was Money for Rare Books. <laughs> Wasn't that a good tongue twister? Have you ever gotten caught up in that? I know for a while, Carol and I were looking at uh, buying used textbooks and selling them. Amazon, uh, that is is something people have done to make money. But I did, I backed away from it. Just backed away from it. We thought we might do that and uh, do well at it, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. It just seemed like a lot of work, and you couldn't, uh, you weren't guaranteed what kind of returns you were going to get. That's for sure. At any rate, uh, Horatio Alger. Do you know anything about Horatio Alger? He was born in 1832. He lived until 1899. He was one of the most popular American authors in the last 30 years of the 19th century, and perhaps the most socially influential American writer of his generation. His books, there was 128 of them, inspired readers to work hard and persevere through adversity. They recount how a can-do spirit and individual initiative can allow anyone to achieve their dreams regardless of their circumstances. Some say that's not exactly what he wrote about. Some say that the boys in the books, by the way, these, I, I believe these stories all involved around young men, not, not young women. Uh, the, the boys in his stories became wealthy not simply through hard work, but normally because there was a twist of fate that worked to their advantage, and because they had conducted themselves with honesty and charity and altruism, that they were rewarded for their virtues. Alger was at the forefront of a phenomenally successful experiment in social reform and improvement, a broad movement that inspired poor kids to take advantage of America's social mobility that led tens of thousands of post-Civil War juvenile delinquents into productive lives. Kind of interesting. I, I had often heard about Horatio Alger, and oh, that sounds like a Horatio Alger story but I never was quite sure exactly who he was. Well, now we have a little bit better understanding thanks to Fibber McGee and Molly. That is going to slam the lid on Monday, May the 10th, 2021. Hope you enjoyed our selection. Hope you'll be back with us tomorrow when we feature an old-time radio drama. On Wednesday, we're going to do a mystery, and on Thursday, we do a western. Then we'll do some other stuff on the weekend. Hope you have a great week, everybody. Uh, We're going to go out tonight with a couple songs about books. Yeah, there's there's songs about books. The first one is by Harry Connick Jr. and it was featured in the uh, 
in the uh, soundtrack of When Harry Met Sally, which is like everybody's favorite movie, right? And then the second one is uh, by the Monotones. I, it came out, I think, in 1958. Love it. I loved it then. And listen to the drum work on, on the one by the Monotones. All right. This is Bob Bro. I'm so glad you stopped by, and I'm so glad you met me. Chapter one says to love her, you love her with all your heart. Chapter two 
tell her You're never, 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 ever gonna part in chapter three, remember The meaning of romance In chapter four you break up But you give her just one more chance Oh, I wonder, wonder who, who, who wrote the book of love Baby, 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 I love you, yes I do Well it says so in this book of love Ours is the one that's true The meaning of romance In chapter four you break up But you give her just one more chance Oh, I wonder, wonder Who, who, who wrote the book of love Baby, baby, baby I love you, yes I do Only say so in this book of love Ours is the one that's true Wonder, wonder Who, who wrote the book of love